0: This episode is brought to you by MGMA Events. Join us June 6th through the 8th for a robust and convenient learning experience featuring education from industry leaders covering a wide variety of challenges facing medical practices today. MGMA Summit is a signature online event that allows you to take control of your journey by attending live or by accessing the sessions at your own pace until July 8th. Go to mgma.com events to learn more and to register today. Healthcare is complicated, but you don't have to navigate the complexities alone. Care Allies collaborates with physician organizations to solve some of the toughest challenges on the path to value-based care. As your organization works to effectively manage your more vulnerable patient populations, enhance outcomes, and improve data analytics, Care Allies brings the people, technology, and processes to support you so you can focus on practicing medicine. Visit careallies.com to see how they can help to radically simplify value based care. Well, hi, everyone. I'm Daniel Williams, senior editor of MGMA and host of the MGMA Podcast Network. Today, we welcome Kevin Mulcahy to the show. Now, Kevin has earned his FACMPE and he's also senior director, provider, and payer service, professional billing office at Mass General Brigham. And Kevin is here today to talk about why payer contracting is more than just reviewing rates. Kevin, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah. Now, before we take a deep dive into that topic, first, for our listeners, tell us a little bit about Mass General Brigham and and really where your focus is there.
1: Sure. So Mass General Brigham is um, the corporate name of our health system here in Boston, Massachusetts, or I should say Southeastern and uh, Western Massachusetts, Uh, largest health system here in New England. Um, founded by two academic teaching hospitals, the Mass General and the Brigham and Women's Hospital, both located in Boston. Uh, we've been together as a system for 25 plus years and over uh, the course of most of that time, we were known as Partners Healthcare. But over the last two years, we've been rebranding and we are now really um, known as Mass General Brigham. Uh, f- we have uh, eight acute care hospitals, specialty hospitals, including rehab and behavioral health and our mass Pioneer. We have a provider physician network of approximately 10,000 providers located throughout Massachusetts. Uh, We have a facility in New Hampshire. So we, you know, we clearly cover the service area. We bill for, uh, in my group, over 7,000 providers, and we collect somewhere in the neighborhood of about $2.1 billion in net cash. So uh, we're big. Uh, We cover every specialty uh, out there. Um, But at the same time, we are agile. The Massachusetts market um, is dominated by three local payers, of which two are recently in the process of merging. Um, And then the larger commercial, Uh, payers have a smaller presence in the marketplace. Um, Our Medicaid system, obviously, as like all states, is transitioning as we go out of the PHE and the redetermination. Uh, So we'll see some shifts there. Um, But most of the MassHealth population are um, distributed amongst, um, I think it's 17 different ACOs here in Massachusetts. Um, And so we do a lot of... Uh, medical management. We are starting back into capitation. Um, so we, we do experience a lot. Um, Medicare uh, managed care is probably about 35% of our Medicare book of business. So we still have a large traditional fee for service Medicare population.
0: Okay. I want to thank you for sharing that. That's a Great background about where you work. So tell us what you do at work what is what does your day-to-day <laughs> so,
1: look like <laughs> so I have been here for 20 plus years um, my 21st year um, and you know when somebody asks me that question I usually say I'm a firefighter I am putting <laughs> out fires all day long yeah but my number one responsibility is to make sure that we have positive and open communication with our payers so that as we work on process improvement initiatives, policy issues, claim denials, um, payment variances. Um, we have people that we can talk to who are going to work with us. Um, not just because you know we are MGB, more because everybody knows that the right thing needs to be done. Um, and so I've been doing this for 20 years. I've not been someone who's jumped around the organization. Uh, Yes, I've taken on some additional responsibilities. Um, My primary is pay relations, Mm -hmm. um, but I also have a responsibility for provider enrollment, uh, as well as what we call specialty billing. So your non-standard fee-for-service billing, global psych, global cosmetics, um, transplant, all those things that are a little bit different, uh, as well as then our payment variance review process and contract management.
0: Okay. Well, thank you for sharing that. So, let's get to your topic. I really like uh, the way it's written. Uh, payer contracting is more than just reviewing rates. So, where are practices? I don't want to put words in your mouth, but where are they getting it wrong, or where are they limiting their themselves in just thinking about it as reviewing rates?
1: Sure. So it's a topic that um, is kind of near and dear to my heart from the perspective of um, I have access to payers and I have access to a lot of large information. And I work to make sure that people understand that. Um, Contracting is proprietary. There's no question about it. But with all the deregulation and changes that have been happening in healthcare, there's a lot more transparency with regards to um, what's happening in the reimbursement world. Um, to me, I don't think practices are getting it wrong, but a lot of people just focus on rates, 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 rates. What am I getting paid? Am I getting paid enough for this service? Mm-hmm. Well, the reality of the situation is that the, the world of 10%, 15% payment increases are gone. And so it's really trying to change that mindset to look at the areas within the revenue cycle that practices can key on to try to reduce administrative costs, um, leverage the time that they have so that they have more time to um, be with patients or see new patients. Um, But so many people, they're so quick to say, oh, I need to contract with this plan because they're going to have all these different types of patients.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Sure, that, 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 that is probably a strategy, but the reality is you really have to look into it as to who this payer is and what are they really going to bring to the table other than just a fee schedule. Mm-hmm. And so if you are a multi-specialty practice does this payer have the patients that are you know going to come to you? Or if you're a single specialty practice, they'll say, oh, yeah, we're going to pay you, you know, 400% of Medicare. But they're all pediatric patients or they're all IVF patients, you know, and that's, you know, we've had networks or payers approach us and say, we want to contract with you and we represent 200,000 lives. That's great. But when you start to peel back the onion, well, there are a lot of self-insured patients, and those patients may not live in your service area, or it's a service that, you know, and I'll just take IVF, for example. Mm-hmm. Yes, men and women both, you know, have IV serv- IVF services, but the reality situation it is female dominated. So to tell me you have 200,000 lives, and when you go to that employer and you ask the question, well, what percentage of the population is even eligible for IVF? And it becomes a, a small fraction of that 200 lives. And so I try to get people just to think that not everything is what it looks like. And so you got to start to pull apart some of this stuff of what truly is it that's on the table. Um, different payers or TPAs, third-party administrators, maybe bringing a book of business to the table. But it could be all Medicaid patients. And if you don't pay attention to that, all of a sudden you're going to be like, I'm not making any money here. And right. so, you know, you get a lot of people that will sit there and say, well, there isn't a bad contract. Well, I would disagree with it on that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, states that, excuse me, providers that sit on a state border where they'll have patients go back and forth. You have to look at, you know, well, who do I bill in this service? You know, do I bill the local Blue Cross? Yes, because it took place in the state. But then I have to follow the policies of their home plan across the way. And people don't pay attention to that. So they really need to nail those types of things down as they start to look at this. Like, Mm -hmm. what's going to be, what am I going to be accountable for? And is this as easy as they make it sound? Okay. The other thing is really when you're in your own specialties, Um, if you are a single specialty practice, really knowing the inside and out of your billing operations, what exactly you do and don't do. um, I I think people will just say, and I'll take anesthesia. Mm -hmm. Anesthesia is not like regular professional billing. There are different mechanisms to it. And most anesthesia practices know this. But a payer doesn't always know it. And so really knowing how to present your specialty or the uniquenesses of your specialty to the payer saying, I want to make sure that we can bill you this way because we're not going to modify to you. Um, understanding surgical bundling rules. Sure, they'll say, oh yeah, we pay 150, you know, hundred and then 50. Well, three, four, and five, maybe at 25, 10, 15. And if you don't know that. Again, you're getting hit with that. So it's really understanding your own specialty uh, to make sure that you understand all of the reimbursement implications. Twenty years ago, when I arrived, um, our CFO said, "We need to develop for every single specialty the revenue cycle. How do you know? Um, how is radiology registered? billed, Followed up, are there unique modifiers? Are there unique things about it? Because our goal was to develop this attachment P, which listed out everything that we wanted from a billing perspective to help us with revenue. Now, did any payer accept that? No, they didn't. But what it did is it set for us the expectations. And so over the last 20 years, we always kind of bring it out dust it off what's changed what do we need to add make sure that the payers are following hipaa guidelines they're mm-hmm. following standard cpt icd10 all of those things cuz there are some people workers comp companies yeah they'll change things up so it's making sure that you can be as standardized as possible and making sure they're doing what we're doing so i really think that you know from the perspective of understanding your specialty and how you do things is what's most important
0: Okay. Now, one of the things you shared with us uh, at MGMA and some correspondence is that practices can really do a better job of leveraging staff. So we all already know that uh, many practices, hospitals, et cetera, are very understaffed already, but of the staff we have there, how do we leverage them better? What are some
1: steps and processes to make that happen? Sure. So in the contracting process, when I talk to various groups, um, I should say I am the current president of the Mass Rhode Island chapter of MGMA. So I do talk to a lot of people on a regular (laughs) basis. And, you know, I'm like, well, who's representing you at the contracting table? Because groups participate with health systems, with PHOs, IPAs, and the physicians go to these meetings. So you have a whole bunch of physicians that are there at the table you know, talking about this contract and that contract. But have they gone back to their to their administrators and to their billing staffs and saying, what are our problems? What are, you know, what's causing us to go, eh, you know? Um, and so my point here is that the physician leadership need to engage their billing staffs, their administrators, their MAs, you know, about what makes us work harder, that we shouldn't have to, Um, you know, look, the pandemic taught us a lot and it Mm -hmm. taught us a lot about being more agile and how to change and telehealth has, you know, contributed to that, but where's it going? And are we billing it correctly? Are we being paid correctly? And is it right? Mm -hmm. You know, Um, is it causing more hassles because the front desk is spending, you know, Eighteen minutes with the patient trying to get them set up in the portal, because let's face it, you and I may be technologically savvy, but there are a whole lot of people out there that don't even pick up a computer and right. talk to my doctor this way. No, it, it's it's right. a foreign concept to a lot of people, and so you may be spending an absorbent amount of time, and yet the payer sitting there reducing your telehealth fees you know, by some arbitrary amount that they've determined that they think is reasonable. So that's why, you know, my role, I'm there interfacing on behalf of our providers mm-hmm. on these operational issues to sit here and say, here's where we need to leverage. Here's where we need to push the payer with regards to whether it be new technology. We have a new piece of equipment. I want to be reimbursed for it. Orthopedists, a lot of them do the... um. Ultrasound guidance in their office. Many payers won't pay that because they're not radiologists, and so you know they need to bring that forward and say, "We're not getting paid, um, and we should be because we are privileged to do this." Mm-hmm. Um, but a physician sitting there talking to someone may not remember that. Um, to me, to to me, that's where your staff. who's dealing with it day in and day out needs to make sure that they are doing it. And just, you know, my staff knows a lot more than I ever give them credit for. Mm -hmm. And they teach me almost every day through conversation. And then they'll say, Hey, Kev, do you remember? And I'm like, I didn't, but yes, you are absolutely right. So, um, you know, owning up to that. You don't know everything is so very important. So You know, we look at our payment variances and we try to figure out why we're not getting paid correctly. Um, And some of it is because, you know, we might have messed up. We might not have loaded a fee schedule properly. But nine times out of ten, it's something that is not known to us. You know, um, we didn't know that this commercial payer had a Medicaid population. um, And that's why we're seeing a lower rate, because we registered the patient as the regular, you know, the the commercial payer because we didn't know we had to start carving out and registering their Medicaid population. So, um, you know, everyone says, you know, they start to look at that and they're like, well, why are my payments so low? Hmm. They brought you 80% of their book of business, which is Medicaid, but they sold it as a commercial population. Those are the things where people get tripped up real quick. Okay. I think we've done a much better job in registering patients and saying, okay, we do need to create different levels of registration. But in this automated world now when people self-scheduling, <laughs> you could get anything registered. Um, so the other issue that I don't think people pay a lot of attention to are the non-contracted products within a payer. The um, exchange and the connector products um, are really deceptive. Um, Patients are buying these plans with very high deductibles, and then they're like, they don't realize they can't go out of state for their services, only in emergency situations. So if you are one of those border providers, it's really, really difficult, and it's left up to the provider to sit there and educate them. So if the staff isn't telling the provider, saying, hey, look, you know, we're eating this, sure, they can come to us, and they're going to pay you know $10,000, but that's basically a self-pay bill. And that's going to drive up your debt, bad debt. And providers don't really see that unless they are truly overlooking every aspect of the billing. Okay.
0: For a final question then, um, because you do have just such a wealth of knowledge here. Um, For our listeners that want to take it to the next level or even take some first steps here, are there some resources or tools you can point them to? What would you suggest to someone who really is realizing that their payer contracting game is not maybe exactly, they know they can improve it. What, mm-hmm. what should they be doing? Where should they be looking or going to do that? So
1: first um, I think, you know, they have to make sure they understand exactly who is doing their contracting for them. Okay. You know, um, a lot of PHOs and IPAs have, practice, uh, you know, administrator groups, they have to make sure they're connected into those or ask their physician saying, we need to get in touch with the payers to kind of talk through some of this stuff. The other thing is, you know, um, if there's a problem, you know, with payments or something to that extent, um, the provider reps aren't out there anymore. So you do, unfortunately, have to use, you know, the insurance company and call and talk to people. But, you know, I always say if you can't get, you know, you have to validate that you tried to go through customer service. Collect your reference number from that call and then start, you know, asking for the supervisor provider relations or somebody attend your state MGMA payer days, you know, to try to get in front of payers, that kind of stuff. That's, you know, that's one avenue. Another avenue are professional associations. You know, medical specialties. You know, there are a lot of new services that come out and that doctors and practices start to to provide, but they may not be covered. So one, you got to do your research say, yep, Medicare is covering it or Medicare is not covering it. Uh, and then you have to present your white paper, you know, to the payers to say, you know, here's why you should be covering this or here's why we are lobbying you for, you know, additional payment, your RVUs may not be set properly, but you got to go to your associations and say, okay, what advocacy have you guys done on this to help support it? And then you just got to keep pushing it. The other thing is people have to recognize that Rome wasn't built in a day and, you know, the payers are going to, you know, take a, um, a difficult stance, but don't give up. Just keep harping away. Don't be mean. Don't be nasty. You know, I mean, we all get frustrated. I call it passion. And I'm the first one, you know, to sit there and be very passionate about something. But the reality of the situation is you have to recognize it's not that person on the other phone, unless it's the true medical director making the policy. It's generally not the person you're talking to on the phone that has made this decision. They're only interpreting the decision. So you just always have to be prepared with your information. Don't say, "Our payments are going down. We don't know why." Do your history, do your background, pull your EOBs, and say, "I used to be paid X for this. Now I'm paid Y for this, with no additional patient responsibility or anything like that." But you gotta present your data with the case. You can't go with, "Oh, they told me this." No, you gotta have the data. So. That's my advice. Kevin,
0: thanks so much for joining us on the podcast and for sharing these thoughts with us today.
1: Thank you. I appreciate it.
0: Well, that is going to do it for this episode of MGMA's Insights Podcast. Thanks again to Kevin Mulcahy. He's Senior Director, Provider and Payer Service, the Professional Billing Office at Mass General Brigham. And you can hear Kevin speak on this topic of payer contracting is more than just reviewing rates... At MGMA Summit Digital Event, he's going to be speaking Wednesday, June 7th. So go to mgma.com slash events to learn more and to register today. And thanks to all of you for being loyal listeners to the MGMA Podcast Network. If you like the work we're doing, please consider becoming an MGMA member. Learn more at mgma.com slash membership.